So yesterday evening when I talked about the first jhana, I actually did give you very briefly the instructions for getting there. It's, well, it's really simple to say the instructions. It's not simple to do. <coughs> Basically generate access concentration, hang out at access concentration for a while, shift your attention to pleasant, to something pleasant, and do nothing else. And the jhana comes and finds you. Uh, simple to say, hard to manifest. <coughs> the first problem is getting to access concentration. You come on a retreat like this, and yeah, you sit down to meditate, and all the distractions from the unreal world out there come impinging on you, and you argue with your boss, and plan your vacation and all the other stuff. When those distractions come up, your strategy is let them go. And it's helpful to label them. Like I say, the first label that comes to mind is always correct. <coughs> and then very important, relax and bring your attention back to your breathing. And that's what you're, you're doing over and over again. I won't say that it's impossible to force your attention to stay on your breathing. You can do that. It's just not useful because it will make you so tense that, yeah, you'll never get anywhere near any jhanas. And you'll also drive yourself crazy. <laughs> it, just, it does not work. It's highly going in the wrong direction. The phrase that I like to use, which applies not only to jhana practice, but any sort of meditation practice, is relaxed diligence. <coughs> you're sitting there, and you overall want to keep a relaxed attitude about everything. But it's necessary to remain diligent. Diligent to notice when you become distracted and label and relax and come back to your object of meditation. <coughs> so, after some time, two, three, four, five days, you settle in and you actually get to access concentration. You can recognize it because you're fully with the object of meditation, for example, the breathing, and <coughs> you're not getting distracted. There might be thoughts in the background, wispy, but not pulling you away into distraction. And if you're using mindfulness of breathing, you know each in-breath, you know each out-breath. You're not gone for longer than a half, or as long as a half-breath. And the thoughts tend to be more about the actual breathing. Oh, this is good. Is this what he was talking about? How long have I been here? Is this long enough? Maybe I should stay longer. Wonder if I can get to the jhanas, okay? Rather than when I get to Hawaii, I'm gonna, right? So you're, you actually <coughs> aren't becoming distracted and you've got sort of a background commentary on your present moment experience. 
you want to stay at access for 5, 10, 15 minutes. As I say, your sense of time is distorted when you get there. Uh, so stay for a while. And yeah, don't worry too much about it. Just don't run off trying to find the pleasant sensation right away. <coughs> Having been at access concentration for a while, then you can let go of the breathing or whatever other object you are using and put your attention on a pleasant sensation. As I said, it's helpful to smile when you meditate uh, because then you have a really nice pleasant sensation, very handy and you put your attention on it, and that's it. You just hang out being focused on the smile. The smile, when it works, works really, really well. Unfortunately, it only seems to work for about 25% of the students that I give the instruction to. The most common place people find a pleasant sensation is in the hands, sort of a warm, tingly glow. So you drop the attention on the breathing and you put your 100% attention on the pleasantness of that warm, tingly glow. It doesn't matter where the pleasant sensation is. Uh, in, in your heart center, third eye, top of the head, top of the shoulders, soles of your feet. Just let go of the breathing and put your attention on the pleasant sensation. It's kind of weird. You finally get to the point where you're really with your breath and you're not becoming distracted. And you get good at it. And then, of course, the teacher says, don't do that anymore. Right? Switch to a pleasant sensation. <clears throat> you can't be one-pointed on a pleasant sensation and still be paying attention to your breathing. Now, it's going to be difficult because you've worked so hard to be with the breathing that it's not going to like just vanish from your attention. To the best of your ability, ignore the breathing and totally focus in on the pleasant sensation. <coughs> the reason you're going to need to stay for a while at access concentration is to let the concentration build enough so that you can stay with a much more subtle object. A mildly pleasant, pleasant sensation that's not doing anything is far more subtle than the breath. The breath comes in, the breath goes out. Uh, pleasant sensation just sits there. And most likely it's not even very strong. Not <coughs> it's not necessary that the pleasant sensation be strong. It's only necessary that it be pleasant. If someone were to ask you, is that <coughs> pleasant, unpleasant, neutral? You say, it's pleasant. You know, it's not neutral. It's not unpleasant. That's, that's all that really matters. Um, what you want to do is fill your mind with basically enjoying the pleasant sensation. If you can do that, 
it will start to increase a little bit, not much. And then hang out and then a little bit more and hang out and a little more <coughs> until it eventually just erupts into the experience of piti and sukha. The pleasant sensation becomes strong enough that it converts from just being pleasant into piti. And the piti brings with it sukha. And you're then in an altered state of consciousness. If you can sustain the piti sukha experience and sustain your attention on the piti sukha, then you've arrived at the first jhana. <coughs> <coughs> Now, it's fairly easy to say all this, but there's lots of things that can go wrong along the way. Uh, the first and most common problem that people encounter is what I call jumping too soon. You followed three breaths in a row, must be access concentration. Where's the pleasant sensation? Now, it's gonna take a while. It's probably gonna take longer than you think. You know, they say patience is a virtue on the spiritual path. Yeah, patience in building the access concentration is going to be necessary. Now, having said that, I, I give the instruction to, you know, a group of people like this, and then there's always a subset that come in that have gotten to access concentration, gotten really good, stayed there for a long time, but thought, oh, it's not good enough, and didn't bother to switch to a pleasant sensation. So, middle way, as usual. Not too much, not too little. When you put your attention on the pleasant sensation because it's more subtle than the breathing, if your concentration isn't strong enough, your attention is liable to wander off. If your attention wanders off from the pleasant sensation, just gently bring it back. You can do the relax. You don't have to label and just bring it back to the pleasant sensation, assuming the pleasant sensation is still there. Sometimes when you get distracted and you realize and you want to come back to the pleasant sensation, it went away. Well, in that case, go back to your original object, the breath or whatever. Sometimes the pleasant sensation goes away. You're not getting distracted, but the pleasant sensation just fades out. Well, nothing to do at that point, but go back to whatever your original object of meditation was. Sometimes you manage to switch to the pleasant sensation and you just are on the pleasant sensations, nothing happening. In fact, this is really common at first. And then you might say to yourself, nothing's happening, which of course will prevent anything from happening. You have to just be the pleasant sensation, no comments. You're just there enjoying what's going on. If you're wanting something to happen, wanting, uh, that's the first hindrance and you're not gonna get any jhanas, right? Just enjoy the pleasant sensation for being a pleasant sensation. Sometimes people try and help the pleasant sensation increase. You don't know how to do that. You're only gonna make it go away. Or it increases a little bit and you're like, ooh, ooh, it's increasing, which of course makes it go away. Right? This is tricky stuff. You just want to be relaxed and enjoying whatever the pleasant sensation is doing. I still vividly remember 
when the first jhana became mine and I could get to it any time I wanted to, right? Provided I could generate access concentration. I saw the technique all the way through. And I was sitting there focused on my smile and I tried to do something and it, it was like I went, no, don't, just be. And I saw very clearly that it was, don't do anything. You actually, when you switch to the pleasant sensation, have to become a human being. Normally, we're running around being human doings. All right, so just be with the pleasant sensation. Just enjoy the fact that you're focused on something pleasant. That's it. Some people find that when the pleasant sensation starts increasing, it's kind of freaky. Feels like you're going out of control. This is because you're going out of control. Right? You can't stay in control and get into the first jhana. You have to let go into the experience. <clears throat> if it feels like it's going out of control, it's actually pretty safe. Right? If, if it were dangerous, I'd probably be dead by now. Right? The Buddha was big on not causing harm, and he recommends the jhanas all over the place. Right? So, yeah, the entry into the first jhana is a feeling of going out of control, and you just have to let it go. But for some people, it's just too much. You know, it starts going out of control, and they pull back either intentionally or unintentionally. If that happens to you, don't make a big deal about it. Just let it go as far as it'll go, and when you pull back, all right, blew it for this time. Go back to the pleasant sensation. You can try it again if the pleasant sensation is still there. Each time you do it, you'll get a little further. It's like you test the waters, and it's okay up to here. I don't know, and you back off. And then the next time you test it up to here a little further, I don't know, and you back off. And then eventually you test it so far that it actually takes you over, takes you into the first jhana, it's still okay, you're fine. And it's not a problem after that. <coughs> what you're trying to do is set up a positive feedback loop. You know positive feedback loop? If this were a microphone, and then I would hold it up to the speaker, it would start making that awful noise, right? The ambient noise in the room goes into the mic and then through the amplifier, comes out of the speaker louder, goes back into the mic, gets amplified some more, comes out louder until it's making that horrible noise. That's a positive feedback loop of noise. You're trying to generate a positive feedback loop of pleasure. Right? You put your attention on something pleasant. And you have enough concentration to be able to hold your attention on something pleasant. Well, having your full awareness filled with pleasantness, that's pleasant. Which adds a little more pleasantness to the experience. The fact that it added a little more pleasantness, that's pleasant. Adds a little more. Right? You get the picture until it erupts into piti and sukha. What I suspect is going on is that 
you're intentionally stimulating your nucleus accumbens, the reward center, in the center of your brain. You know, somebody says to you, wow, you did a great job with that, and you feel nice, right? Because you did a great job with that, and they give you feedback, and you feel nice, right? right? You're doing the same thing, only you're not relying on some external circumstance. You're simply focusing on pleasant. And being focused on pleasant is rewarding in and of itself. And when you feel rewarded there, okay, that's pleasant too. And that's more reward. And okay, and you've got it going. The nucleus accumbens is known to pump out dopamine and opioids. My guess is that dopamine manifests as PT when it breaks down into norepinephrine. And opioids manifest as sukha. But that's all, you know, that's theoretical. All you got to do, sit down, get yourself comfortable, get settled in, put your attention on your meditation object, keep bringing it back when you get distracted, make sure you stay nice and relaxed. When you get to access, meaning you're fully with the object of meditation and no longer getting distracted, and can... Ignore the wispy background thoughts. Stay there for a while. Then shift your attention to a pleasant sensation and do nothing else. The jhana will come and find you. Now for the breathing, you've got some signals that can tell you when you're getting to access concentration. The breathing might get really shallow and if it does, that's a sign of good concentration. The temptation when the breath gets very shallow is to take a deeper breath and get it going again. That's the wrong thing to do. It takes you in the exact opposite direction from where you want to go. Just let your breathing be whatever it's going to be. You're getting quiet. You're not even thinking much. You're not moving. You don't need a lot of oxygen. Your body knows what to do. The vast majority of the breaths you've taken in your life have not been under your control and you've done pretty good so far. All right, just trust that your body knows what it's doing. And yeah, if the breathing gets quiet, that's fine. Now, if the breathing disappears completely and you can't tell that you're breathing, then you may need to switch to the pleasant sensation at that point. <coughs> As long as you can still tell whether it's an in-breath or an out-breath, you can keep your attention on the last place you were getting the tactile sensations. And as long as you can still distinguish in and out, that's fine. All right. Another possible thing that can be an indication of uh, good concentration is you start seeing a diffuse white light. Your eyes are closed. And it's getting bright. And you think, did the sun come out? Did they inch somebody inching up the dimmer switch? It's, this brightness is appearing. And again, this is due to good concentration. There's nothing you can do with it. It's just the sign. You know, you see the sign entering Scott's Valley. You don't have to stop your car and get out and put the sign in the trunk or anything, right? You just know where you are. If you see a diffuse white light, it says entering Concentrationville. <clears throat> if you don't see a diffuse white light, you might still be really concentrated. 
There's not signs on all the roads into Scott Valley, right? So if you see the light, then it's a sign of good concentration. If you don't see the light, it doesn't mean anything. And the real key is, are you not getting distracted? So I talk mostly about mindfulness of breathing. You can use metta practice to generate access concentration as well. For that, do your metta practice. I'd say, you know, primarily you want to work with the people that you really like to do metta for. All right. Uh, and do it for half an hour. Now, yeah, you're not looking at your clock. You're just going to have to estimate. But you want to do metta for quite a while. There's no signs, really, that you're getting to access other than you're not getting distracted. Okay, but you can not be distracted doing the metta and still not have enough access concentration. But do metta for what you estimate is half an hour and then shift your attention to a pleasant sensation. Enjoy the pleasant sensation. See if the jhana arises. So you can use either the breath or metta. At the start of a sitting, decide which one you're going to do. You can't go switching off, right? Just because it seems like it's not working, it's probably not the technique. All right. So one last time, sit in a nice, comfortable, upright posture. Get yourself settled. Put your attention on your meditation object. When you get distracted, Label the distractions, relax, come back. Do this till you get to access where you're fully with the object of meditation. And if there are thoughts, they're wispying in the background and not pulling you into distraction. Stay there for an extended period, 5, 10, 15 minutes. And then shift your attention to a pleasant sensation and do nothing else. So maybe we could sit for about 20 minutes and then I'll see if you have any questions. <coughs>
and in an Excel numbers voting because maybe I, I like numbers. Mm -hmm. But I could concentrate on my breathing, except I can't find any spot in my body that's pleasant, except I got a little back pain. Yeah, finding a pleasant physical sensation sometimes is hard. Uh, this was a very short sitting, and it's also early in the retreat. It may be as you get more concentrated that, one, the numbers might not be quite so prevalent, and two, it might be that a pleasant sensation would show up. If, however, you feel that, yeah, you're really well concentrated and when you look at your body, there's nothing physically pleasant anywhere to focus on, you'll have to use some emotional pleasant sensation, some mental pleasant sensation. The one that seems to be the most effective is to switch to doing metta at that point. All right, so you've used your breath and you've gotten really concentrated. Now, just do some metta for people you really like doing metta for and see if that produces pleasant, okay? Uh, it may not take very long, a minute or two, and there's enough pleasant, it may manifest in the body, it may just be mentally pleasant. And can you just stop doing the metta and just stay with the pleasant that's there? The other possibility for getting a mental pleasant sensation is to remember something that brings a smile to your face. Something a little kid did that was cute, something your pet did, all right? Don't get lost in the memory. Uh, it's got to sort of bring the smile to your face because it's, you know, it's pleasant and now you're focused on the pleasant of the memory, not the details of the memory. But yeah, this is unfortunately a somewhat common problem. Yeah, it's traditionally these two steps. And so um, is there um uh is it a matter of uh choosing experimenting and choosing one that uh, fits for you over time or sticking with one or the other? Or how do they work together and does it depend on your temperament? Uh traditionally there's eighty four thousand Dharma doors. All right. So <laughs> of course you only need one. Uh, mindfulness is necessary. You're doing mindfulness of breathing or mindfulness of metta to generate the access concentration before you get into the jhanas. Most approaches will benefit from more concentration along the way. Okay, so you mentioned the body scan. It's possible to do a body scan and use that to generate access concentration. Finish the body scan and put your attention on something pleasant and enter the jhanas. It's also quite useful to work through the jhanas and then do a body scan. It'll be quite different. There's, 
there's lots of ways to play with this. And it does depend on people's temperament and anything else. Um, the trick is to find a way that seems right to you, that, you know, feels like, okay, this is what's useful, this will work. Uh, when I teach a retreat, I know that the jhanas aren't going to be suitable for everyone, that some people will experience them, and some people will get good at them, and other people won't have any experience at all, but there are lots of other practices. We all have our skills. In order to cook, it helps if you can multitask, right? I'm a terrible cook. Uh, multitasking, I'm pathetic, you know. So any sort of multitasking practice, no, it's not going to work for me. So you're stuck with, uh, you know, a hippie computer programmer who is good at single tasking, like concentration. So yeah, you've got to experiment and find out how the techniques that you know can fit together. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything that puts your mind in a positive state is going to be useful. Yeah. And, and what often is I'll switch when it goes away to metta. Is that too, too many things? I don't think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're, they're going to be preliminary stuff that you do when you're getting settled. And then once you're settled, you might switch to doing something slightly different. Yeah. That's fine. So when I meditate, my my breathing quiets down, and then um, and then so I try this smile thing, and I get this flood of that the tingly breezy feeling that comes that comes when I'm meditating anyway, but it floods in. Even last night when I was feeling kind of miserable and I smiled. And I would kind of get, I would, and my meditation felt really disorienting. Well, yeah. So when she meditates and gets settled and smiles, flooded with this tingly feeling. It's like a breezy, breezy, tingly feeling. Yeah. Is it pleasant? Okay, it sounds like it might be the beginnings of some PT. I'd say, I'd say, give yourself some time before you do the smile thing and bring it on. And when it comes, yeah, put your full attention on it and see what happens. Well, I've had it. In, I've had it in my meditation for a while now. Yeah, it good. Just, it just passes. Yeah, um, I think deeper concentration before you let that feeling come in. So stay longer with the breathing and then try the smile towards the end of the sitting and see when the feeling comes, if it will stick around enough that you can stay focused on it. One of the things that sometimes happens is a little PT comes up and then it goes away. Well, a little comes up and goes away for some people and for other people it just, boom, it's there full on. So it's, there's a lot of experimentation I, I say learning that jhanas is trial and error, but actually it's trial and error and error and error and error, and then finally you get it. I don't know if this is helpful or not.
PT can certainly arise when you're doing walking meditation, right? But in order to take it into the jhana, you need to be really fully focused on the experience of PT Sukha, right? And if you're fully focused on that, you're going to be able to walk into a tree. Right? So if the PT arises, you can stop, you know, close your eyes and really let it come on. I've had students where that was what was happening with them. <coughs> it's not that common, but it, it, it can happen. Uh, so just because you've got PT doesn't make it the jhana. What you've got to get is PT, it sustains, it's got sukha with it, and you've got your attention on it. So, and you'll need to stop if, to make that happen. Oh, yes. myself that even with entering access concentration, there's a sense of pleasure of being concentrated. And oh, this is, I'm concentrated. This is wonderful. I'm able to do this. This is, my mind is luminous. All of these. So, and then to see that, um, and sometimes, yeah, that goes away, but everything goes away. Yeah. And then kind of, this is, then again, on top of that, then, oh, there you go again, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> As I said, it's a lot of trial and error. And so you start working with this, and along the way, you manage to distract yourself quite a bit as you make progress in the right direction. You've got to start getting to, okay, this is going pretty good, frequently enough that when it starts going pretty good, you don't need to comment, this is going pretty good. It's just going pretty good, and you can just be with it going pretty good. But yeah, as you start to get to a new state, you're, you're going to comment on it. You're going to start saying, oh, yeah, wow, this is right, this is wrong, this is good, this is bad, whatever it is. And yeah, you got to get there frequently enough so that you just recognize where it is, you realize this is headed in the right direction, and it's no big deal. So, yeah, I tell people it's a lot easier to learn the jhanas on a retreat than at home, because at home you don't get to these things often enough. I mean, you're sitting once in the morning, maybe once in the evening, whereas here you can just keep doing it again and again until... Yeah, you get to an exciting place, but you don't get distracted by, oh, this is new, this is exciting. You know, it's just, this is what's happening. So, it's a matter of repeating again and again. Okay, so we have uh, a couple announcements now. So, I wanted to um, thank you for those of you who signed up for the practice discussion with Lee and I today. Um, so the way it works is that there was enough spots for half of you today and there'll be another sheet going up later today for the other half who didn't sign up today. And, um, <coughs> and then the, uh, the next two days after that, it'll just be reversed. Those who saw Lee that day will see me uh, and those people who saw me the first two days will see Lee. So you get chances to have one interview with each of us, uh, provided that Lee's health uh, holds up for it. Or my health, <laughs> and um, and your health. <laughs> it's all unknown, 
And um, so uh, we'll, we might adjust it. And, and usually we put up both sheets for two days at the same time, but we're kind of tracking um, Lee's, uh, how his energy is. And so we'll decide later today what he's doing tomorrow. And um, so um, uh, I saw that, um, so it's very important that all the spots today get filled because then there won't, otherwise there won't be enough spots tomorrow for all the people who should have it tomorrow. So I saw there was one, when I came up here, there was one spot empty. I think someone crossed their name out. So um, it would be great if someone would fill that in. It's uh, uh, a spot with me. So fill that in so that we can kind of, the system can work smoothly. So and, um, and then, um, and also uh, the service leaders, there's five of them, the 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 kitchen mentor, the two cooks, and the two managers, we'll have our service leader tea today at 6 o'clock in room 1 uh, to check in about things. And also the service leader, especially the managers, uh, remember they're on retreat, and so it helps them to kind of stay in their flow of the practice, is if uh, when they're on, as managers, the morning or the afternoon, that you don't talk to them, you don't go walk up to them and talk to them. Uh, leave them a note. And then, um, and they'll come and talk to you if necessary, or leave a note for you. And that's a little bit different than how it is like at Spirit Rock, where the managers are not on retreat, and it's fine to go up and talk to them. But we would like to try to protect the the practice of the managers, um, unless there's an emergency. And um, so, any any uh, logistical questions about being here, or any of that? That oh, so uh, Lee's uh, meetings with people or in room one, which is the room that, uh, just off the man next to the manager's office in the main hall downstairs. And I meet with people in room 100, which will be around um, counterclockwise, past the elevator and all the way around room 100. And just be near, that's you know, within eyesight of those two rooms, um, close to your time when the person in front of you comes out, you can come in. And um, you don't have to knock on the door, just come in and close the door. And um, and I'll, I'll put a chair in the hallway and uh, near where my room is, so you can sit there with an eyesight of the door. And um, it also helps if the people who uh, are first in the sequence can may hopefully come on time, so we can get started. So, uh, okay, thank you. <laughs>